Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are the worst. I am Eddie. I'm Alec. And I'm Cody. And today we are going to go over a Sinner's Missed Take. This is the first time ever. This is a, a brand new installment. Did it's I called... hear you right? Did you say Missed Take? Oh yeah, we missed take. We missed took this. No, we missed the take. We were doing we the... Didn't, ex- we didn't get it wrong we forgot it yes we were doing the missing of the take that was desired to be but wasn't <laughs> we were going over the idols one that we recorded a little while ago and listening to some of it and then afterwards i realized that pretty much the main thing that i wanted to talk about in the episode i did not <laughs> so we came up with this idea of sinners missed take missed takes sinners missed takes it's going to look yeah. better on paper, I think, <laughs> than, it, than it sounds. And we're That's just gonna, crazy, because it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> where we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of something that I think arguably the biggest idol that we can have besides, once again, the obvious money, power, pleasure. If you haven't listened to the first Idols episode, go check it out. Just search up American Idols in Google, <laughs> and it's probably going to show up because we are in America and we recorded an episode on Idols. If that doesn't work, then go to Idol Sinner's Take. That might narrow the search down a little bit. Yeah, but definitely start without it and tell us how many pages it takes on Google to get there. <laughs> All right, enough beating around the bush. What is this huge buildup? Big reveal. Here we go. I think that the number one missed... No. I think that the number one idol that people replace in God is emotion during prayer. <gasps> <gasps> Crowd goes wild. What I mean by this is I think that people can oftentimes, myself included, we think that how close we are to God is specifically dictated by what we feel when we pray and what we experience. So you're so, saying that it's not? Yes. <laughs> so opening. That makes, me, that makes me think I'm a lot less holy than I <laughs> might be. As someone who experiences perpetual consolation, (laughs) uh, I always feel great. No, uh, initial thoughts? Opening thoughts? Closing thoughts? I (laughs) I had one. Do you have one? Go ahead. I'll try and remember what mine was. I mean, just having worked uh, in ministry of the youths, uh, I think that that is probably a place where it is most prevalent because they are the most emotional people. So probably the people that would be most prone to seeking out some emotional response in prayer rather than even if it starts off well-intentioned right like i'm gonna seek out god and then you go into the chapel and it's like oh my gosh i feel so good and then you just stay there until the feeling dies and and then when you leave maybe instead of thinking about what are some actions i can take to like trim out sin in my life and move closer to god you think about oh man what a how can i get that again sort of situation and I, I mean when I was in high school it was a it was always the game of I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep thinking things in my head until one catches or sticks right like I'm just gonna keep having different thoughts and then as soon as one sparks some positive response I'll 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 just focus on that and keep saying it over and over again or something you know so rather than just speaking genuinely so I have three thoughts and a quote three thoughts and a quote Put that on a shirt. Sinners take shirt. Six seasons in a movie. Okay, so my 
thoughts that immediately sprung to mind. My first, second, and third, and fourth thoughts. Here we go. Uh, the first one was something I think we've talked about before, which is when we go to prayer, are we going to give something or to get something? And we've talked about in Mass where people say, oh, I just feel like I don't get anything out of Mass with this priest or at this parish or when I'm not with this person or whatever it is. But remembering that we're not at Mass, well, we're not at Mass to get something. We're there to give praise and to give thanks for God's sacrifice. And we are there to get, I mean, there is grace that we receive through the Eucharist and by attending Mass, but we're, we are there to give praise and to give thanks. So that's my first thought. Any comments on that? So I guess my question would be, to what extent would you take that outside of just Mass? Because there's a difference between Mass and praying day to day. Yeah, I didn't really think this thought was going to come into my head while we were recording this, but this is something that I have really been just struggling with, or I don't know, like almost like a skepticism about, is I think ultimately what it comes down to is prayer is I sometimes I think people overthink it and in a way they underthink it. Like they think it's 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 how I feel. I'm 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 giving thanks to God and then uh I, I almost want to say like it's neither. It's neither you're not going in to give something or to get something, no more than you would go into a relationship with a friend, like, well today I'm hoping to get something from this guy or I'm hoping to give something. I just like can't wait to give something to my friend today. You're just friends with them. You just are going through life together. And in prayer now, that does not, please do not misunderstand me and think that I think that all that matters in prayer is that you just like exist with each other. There obviously is necessary levels of giving thanks and giving praise and all these things. But ultimately, prayer is different every day. Prayer is, is God. It's really like, are you entering into this relationship with God the way that he wants you to do it? Are you surrendering to his will one way or the other? Maybe and not really thinking about anything else. Like every day I go to God and I surrender to his will in whatever way that that takes or not, you know, because I don't know. I see, I, I guess it's just the, the, the phraseology of like, you know, you know what I'm saying when I say overthinking things, like it's just, are you praying or are you not praying? You know, like, yeah, <laughs> I think go so to mass to pray and there is giving and getting and it's all there, but I don't know. Yeah, I That's think pro that pro that probably came across too passive aggressive. I don't, so I apologize if it did. <laughs> I did not mean for it to. Let me see. I I think I know what you're getting at. So let's see if we can continue to parse it because I think you're getting at something good. I'd agree. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and this is not the quote that had come to mind originally, but when you started talking, this is what came to mind, and it's from Saint Teresa of Avila. So you know it's good. Uh, and she says, the important thing is not to think much, but to love much. And so do that which best stirs you to love. And so when you're talking about relationship and we talk about God is love, we're not here to like gamify our relationship with him, but to live it and to love. And so if, if going to God today through a very emotional song is going to stir you best toward love, we're not saying that's a bad thing, but to not be dependent, I think really on any one type of prayer, like, like you're saying, prayer is so many different things, and maybe the one we see a lot is a dependence on emotion, but maybe this could be more broadly applied to, is to not put God in a box. 
he is every relationship and interaction that you have that is with a loving heart is you connecting with him and don't rely on any one thing. Do you think that? And so instead of thinking and planning sometimes, and this goes back to our theological movie quotes, maybe don't think become, um, don't think love. I don't know. It's Cody jump in here, help us take us over the line. (laughs) No, no, has any of that? I don't think I will. Yeah. Uh, it does. I think, I mean, just to both of your points, it's, well, it's it my is. point and his sub point. <laughs> Let the record stick. My, my sub what? Sub point. Point, right. So to our points. So, this is, the, so this is the, the tabbed bullet after the tabbed bullet on right. the Microsoft so Word document. So I'm the solid dot. It was one he's, a. He's yeah. clear dot. You are <laughs> one A. You are one A or you're or, trying to. No, you're just, one. I was one A. He's one A I. Yeah. Yeah. Roman numeral. Yeah, I would, I w- would agree with. The both the both of you. <laughs> I just think about this written like <laughs> I agree with them both. <laughs> yep. It is probably too frequently over over complicated. It is probably too frequently over complicated. I, I love the quote that you brought up. Don't think become. Uh, no, the other one. Mm. The Saint Teresa of Avila one that not, I can't quote back. It's not ringing any bells. <laughs> Do you want me to read it again for emphasis? No, it's it, it. The important thing is not to know much, but to love much. Think um, much. I think is what he said. It, it is. It, it was think much, but I think that kind of goes hand in hand. Like we've talked about before, if you're like, it's good to be learning about the faith and maybe studying theology and apologetics and stuff. But if you're not praying at least as much as you're doing that, you can lose sight of what you're after. What's that? What's that quote about? Like, if I don't love, I'm a resounding gong. Do you do you know the one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's from uh, I believe it was <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, maybe you've heard of it. Mm. Yeah, um, is that Gilbert Keith? Sounds like Gilbert Keith. <laughs> Gilbert Keith. What were your other points? Uh, yes, right. I had other points. One of them was it's still good to go to him with good and bad emotions. So. One thing that I struggle to appreciate enough, and I don't know if we can, is that no matter how many times that we reject God, if we, when we come to him honestly and earnestly, the door is always open, which is to say, if you feel like, right, we don't want to just go to God when we're asking for something, but at the same time, if you genuinely ask him for something, he's, he's still a generous God. He still loves you. And it's not like just because you haven't been uh, the perfect son or daughter, now when you, in genuine need, come to him, that he's going to spurn you. Yeah, I think the difference there is that you're, you're bringing something to him to like lay at his feet or, or to talk to him about rather than talking to him for the specific intention of generating some emotional response so it's like the emotion comes first and you bring it rather than the emotion is what i'm seeking right um i I think is the difference there there is a screw tape letter quote which i believe that we may have even talked about before where they uh the demon says the goal of the tempter is to get the human to think the value of his prayer is dictated by 
the emotional response that he gets. So if he's praying for courage, let him feel brave. If he's praying for forgiveness, let him feel forgiven instead of actually, right? Because he does like there's no point in being courageous in the moment in the chapel. Like you need the courage when later it comes, and don't let him see the value of prayer behind behind the scenes. Only see it in the value of what is being created in the moment. And I see this a lot going back to youth ministry, and even just in adult life as well. I see people this this idea of the retreat high cycle. And the, the closest thing that I have been able to place on what's going on in these moments where people can go to adorations, go to these prayer teams or whatever it is, have these extremely emotional responses and so quickly lose it. I mean, it is pretty crazy to think about. Like, it's, it's like a couple, like they have this amazing romantic experience and a week later they're broken up. It's like that's how quick the turnaround is in some of these on some of these retreat highs. And I think what's going on is I always envision that the person ha- is not on usually they're not really on like the path yet. They're 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 not really engaging in this daily. And so what's going on is God grabs them like face to face they're like, "Oh, shoot. I now I see God is real." And God brings them to the base of an infinitely tall mountain that is the most beautiful mountain they've ever experienced. And that is the mountain of the contemplative life, of the of the spiritual journey, of the mountain of holiness, you know, that God is calling us all to climb up. And we just, everyone, they cry. People cry, right? I did when I was young. I still do oftentimes for other reasons as well. But they, they and I think it's because they're just so overwhelmed. This mountain exists. It's real. I'm now, I, I'm face to face with it. And I want, and there's a deep longing because a lot of times in these adoration experiences for people who don't have their sadness, right? It's, they feel like they are sinners. They feel like they're distant from God, whatever it might be. And I think it's because they long to be on, like well into the journey. They see what is possible and they desire it. They desire him. They desire a deep, intimate relationship with him. But then the retreat ends and they have to start hiking up the mountain and like immediately it gets very difficult like the next day the next two days and they they give up and they fall back down and so then they wander away and they forget the mountain exists and so then the next retreat is god grabs them again says takes them to the base and says we're still here i still want you up here i still want you to climb this thing but they and i I say they but me as well right we oftentimes don't and i think that that's just the process of those those retreat highs of how they can be that way. And I think because people start to think that this emotional awe and wow and crying and um, sadness and these big moments, God just, they start to associate, this must be God. And when this dies off, God is no, like, where is God? And I just, I don't know if there's enough catechesis, if there's enough spiritual formation, and if there's really enough drive in people to push through in these ways. Yeah. And I mean, to that point i mean you can tell that they want like in the moment right i mean i I went on conferences or retreats when i was a kid and there were there were like people crying around me like oh whatever you want lord whatever you want i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it it's like one thing to say and it but it's not backed up with action right like i again something has to something we have to allow something to be changed within us right like the desire for the change can come but there has to be a response on our part right like no no change of us is forced upon us it has to be accepted and it's going to cause something yeah because you don't i mean again to bring it back to like a working out or going up the mountain analogy you can't just 
start you can't just immediately go to your goal weight to be lifting it it takes time to work up to that and that takes a decision to get out of bed and lift a little bit of weight for a long time before you can lift a lot and i think the same thing it it's a decision that now it's going to cost you and cost you sounds so negative but like you're going to have to act in order for something to change a friend of mine simply words it with uh, who um, has been involved in youth ministry for a long time says if a person's crying in adoration it means that God is calling them to change something and they haven't done it yet (laughs) (laughs) which is an over an oversimplification for sure undoubtedly right there are people who are very in love with the Lord and very far into the contemptive life who still have emotional experiences as you should because God is spontaneous and all is included in relationship with him. The problem is, and really that maybe that's what this whole thing needs to be. This whole idols thing is where you make one aspect of a relationship with God, the forefront, right? We talked, cause we talked about last time we talked about making ministry discernment. Now we're talking about emotion, all of these things God is involved in and all are used by him. It's almost like, so there was this, Really, it was like a web comedy show called Red versus Blue that I used to watch when I was a kid, and they have this AI program that would that helps like super soldiers fight. It runs like their suits and things similar. To, it's based off of Halo, and they try. They have a perfect one, and they can't replicate it, so they split it, and it ha- it ends up being like a bunch of smaller versions of it where it's like one aspect. It's like this is its memory. This is its anger. This is its ambition. This is its whatever. You have it. And they all are like different personality types. And so, but they're just a shadow of the real thing. And they're all problematic. They all have a bunch of problems because they're not the full thing. So that's really nerdy. But I think the point is made, right? Where you're, you're splitting your relationship with God into certain branches. And if you fix it on one, you're missing out on the whole thing. And there's going to be a whole mess of problems that come because you are worshiping like God's foot. You know, I mean, <laughs> instead of his whole bot person. Well, I, th- I think it's super detrimental in this case uh, because you just go stagnant, right? Like in order to engender that same consolation, if there is something in my life that needs to change, maybe I just won't change it so that next time I go to prayer, I can engender the same uh, the same feeling. You can either stagnate or like you said, you just, like you just, I feel like it consumes itself. I'm, I, I, was uh at a conference and you know during the the big adoration time um there was a girl that you know kind of started like giggling like laughing and then it kept getting louder and louder and louder but like the louder it got the more forced it seemed to come right and it would stop for a time like for her to catch her breath and then she'd keep going uh and eventually you know, she laughed so much that she threw up in the middle of the <laughs> in the middle of the floor at the, at this conference, and like it's funny, but it's so sad too. Like, like I wonder if that was maybe like you know she'd been waiting, you know she'd heard like all these stories about oh what encounter with God looks like if you, if you ever come to encounter Him in this way, and then and then briefly you know, she was given that gift, but then chased after the gift so hard that like it was physically, it physically took a toll on her, right? That like she forced herself after this thing so much that she vomited, you know, it was pretty nasty. 
Everybody freaked. <laughs> you never heard no. of vomiting in the spirit? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to the wrong adoration nights. <laughs> it was symbolic of how the Lord wanted to, her to expel something else from her life. I would like to go back to your first point. No. You don't want um, to talk about the vomiting girl. No. no. <laughs> I feel like that one was more fun. I don't know. Um, to the point of wanting to keep what caused that reaction in order to get the same reaction it made me think that you can't keep what you have you have to let it evolve or let it die because it won't stay what you want it to be and if you keep trying to make it that it's just going to go stale Uh, but you can let that evolve or grow into something else that may give you that same feeling or a better one or different in some way, but I think that holding on to it is the only thing that can't be. Is that too vague? No, it's, <laughs> it's like Master Ugwe says in the third Kung Fu Panda movie. Tell me. Yesterday the more, is the more a gift. <laughs> That's why it's called the present. That's why it's called tomorrow. <laughs> the more you take, the less you have. Mm. Mm. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it doesn't make any sense at all. He dies right afterwards. <laughs> it's, <too. laughs> it's like when you hold on to sand. He doesn't and you die. try and he, grab it tighter. Yeah, falls away. Right, he, he turns into a jade he amulet. Ascends. No, I'm that's talking the about first, the third that's Kung, in the Fu first Kung Fu Panda. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Guess I'm not well versed enough in Kung Fu Panda, <laughs> but yes, we've and I think we have spoken of this specific thing before, but that is so detrimental to the faith because. God is spontaneous, especially to us. Obviously, he's calculated, but to us it appears very spontaneous. And we've spoken of how the contemplative life and just striving after relationship with Jesus is he desires something new every day. And you can never expect, right? You can go into the chapel and have a very emotional experience by this doing this type of prayer. Maybe you had a really awesome rosary or you read a really beautiful scripture passage that just pierced you to your core. Or maybe you were vomiting in the spirit. And you can go back to the same chapel the next day at the same time of day and pray the exact same thing, and the experience is totally different because God is moving on to the next thing. So if you try to chase these gifts or these experiences, God's past it, right? He's already looking way ahead. And that is a great segue into my last point, which is kind of what I have, what we've already said which is just that he wants to be there for everything. So yes, with these powerful moments, but also with the mundane moments, the simple moments, the forgetful moments, it's not like you have to have something that crosses a threshold to be worthy of his attention. He just wants to be with you. However boring your day is or however boring your prayer is or if you feel like you have nothing to offer him, we have nothing to offer him. The best thing we can give is still nothing. So only going with what we think is something powerful is not what we think it is. This isn't going to go the way that you think. <laughs> uh, I think we should talk brief. I mean, maybe briefly, maybe not about the elephant in the room. I think uh, the charismatic movement. Preface it this way because we've spoken about these things before. I believe. I think the charismatic movement is very beautiful. I think there's a lot of good that comes from it, but I do have reservations about it for things that you were speaking of, right? Especially with the youth where people can, and I, and I know, I, I know because I've been on retreats where this is the case and I've talked to people about it who 
really going back to they try to put God in the box and they try and whether they don't say it explicitly this way, but at least implicitly that if you are holy, you, these things will happen to you. And so it puts this pressure on people to think that God can only be revealed to them in this way instead of allowing these beautiful things, whether it be prophecy or healing or speaking in tongues or whatever it might be to come as a gift, like truly instead it just becomes a, almost a one-upsmanship of the, it's a, there's a danger because people are chasing this, this high of my holiness and my relationship with God is correlated to what crazy thing I am experiencing in adoration or in praise and worship or during prayer overs or whatever it might be. I see it lead to a lot of not, not peace. I've seen the charismatic movement lead to incredible peace and tremendous blessing in a lot of people's lives, but I've also seen there's times where it does not. And in those moments where people just need to be careful that are you chasing after a relationship with God or are you chasing after the, these, these charismatic gifts that um, God may or may not want to give you in, in a moment? Well, I, I think, yeah, th- this is just the specific trap of this movement, right? Is, is exactly just what we've been talking about, right? Because most of these uh, experiences are emotional. Uh, and so then if you experience something that is charismatic without emotion behind it, you like are just prone to like super doubt it, right? And then and then you're questioning this gift that was given to you, um, you know, if it was genuine or not, and rather than focusing on God himself, right? You just get so wrapped up in the little minutia of, of this thing that happened rather than taking it for what it is and then letting that spur you on to onto relationship with God. I was reading the fulfillment of desire last year. And one of the things that was most striking to me was when I, I think both St. John of the cross and Teresa of Avila speak almost negatively about uh, visions that they had of, of spiritual things, right? Not, negatively in the sense that it's like oh they're like always bad right but they they just didn't i would i would expect and still probably would because i'm i think immature that somebody would experience that would want to kind of brag about it like or if not brag about it outright just be like oh my gosh it was so beautiful like i can't believe all that i experienced and all the all the things that jesus talked to me about or it's all. just a glory story okay right exactly exactly <laughs> exactly but the the way they talk about it is like it's kind of whatever you know it's it's like a good thing but if it doesn't lead you to jesus then like what's the point so um they they <laughs> they almost kind of dismiss it as like i'd i'd almost rather that it didn't happen <laughs> then I wouldn't have to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, it's either it either is normal, or or you're looking at it the wrong way, right? I mean, like I think signs and people who search for signs of, from God, it's problematic. But like, if God, God, of course, God wants to like communicate with you in clear cut ways and ways that you understand. But that sh- is just normal. Like, and if if it's it shouldn't be again placed on a pedestal above. It's so far you know, on the, on the org chart, is that what it's called? Depth chart? Nice, like yeah. it's so far down. It's like, here's God <laughs> and here's the specific thing that he gave you. For those of you who are listening, one of his hands is high and the other one is low. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's almost like if any of you guys have ever done an escape room and you have like a really overzealous employee who you're like onto something and then they give you a clue when you don't want one and they're like, and you're like, thanks. I, but like, 
was kind of going to get it on my own. <laughs> I wonder if that's kind of what they felt like, where it's like, God's like, and here's a vision of exactly what you're supposed to do. And they're like, come on, man. Like, I had it. I had it. <laughs> but out. I, I paid for an hour. <laughs> Closing thoughts? Yeah, I can't think of a segue out, but it just kind of feels like, just think about God and, and let, let all the rest just be. Well, like they said, like they said in the fulfillment of all desire, if it leads you to God, dwell on it so that it gets you there, but only insofar as it gets you there uh, and then leave it behind. Yes. Yeah, C.S. Lewis was talking about in mere Christianity uh, about this is not relevant in the sense that this is exactly what he was talking about, but he's speaking about that people, he says the most important thing about Christianity is that you accept that Jesus Christ is the solution and he died. And whatever that does is that bridges, however it does it, that bridges the gap between us and God. And he says that, you know, certain Christianities have different opinions of how it does that. And now I'm not super into, obviously, that that is his non-Catholic side definitely saying. And there are, but he says, like, he explains what how he views it, essentially. And then he says, but please do not misunderstand me. The Focus on the most important thing. If this explanation of it helps you, then great. If it doesn't, drop it immediately, is what he said, you know. And same kind of thing, right? If if you're if what you're praying is leading you to him, great. If not, drop like or if this if this podcast is leading you to him, great. If not, drop it immediately. And um yeah. Well now I feel like you both brought some high wisdom from a great uh theological writing and I don't have one, but that's okay. So the end. <laughs> <laughs>